This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom DiOria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom DiOria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk. It's the third Sunday of December. It's the Sunday before Christmas. Uh, Hanukkah's wrapping up. And um, we're on at 5 p.m. in the New York listening area and 3 p.m. in Arizona. And today we're live from our New York offices, and we're going to be discussing computer refurbishing and recycling. And our guest is going to be Dennis Courtney. I'm Tom Diori. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated. And together with our weekly guests, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology, to make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with the increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with an industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, and new contract opportunities. One or more guests followed us for many aspects of business and industry. And if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to Tech Talk. That's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K at imi-us.com. And we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send us an email question on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369. And if you're outside the 602 listening area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can use that email address I just gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com. We monitor that throughout the show. And if we can't get your question on today's show, we'll definitely send you a response and try and get it on next week. We're also being simulcast on the web, so if um, you can't get to your radio but you want to listen to us live, send us, um, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com, or you can go to our website if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows by going to imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that, and uh, you can download the shows, listen to them as many times as you want, send them to your friends. It's free, so please take advantage of that. And please call in any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. First segment our weekend review. It's increased coverage of New York technology events around the world, and it's compiled by Dave, Brandon, Dan Dioria, and Jose Batista. Okay, let's see what we got. We got a bunch of things to talk to you about today. And um, one is from Capitol, New York. Uh, mayor Bill de Blasio, uh, mayor of New York, uh, administration says it has made progress on its one NYC plan. That's the city's course uh, efforts on environmental and climate change resiliency from solar at City Hall to a new tool to control buildings' energy use. The public buildings already getting retrofits account for roughly half of the greenhouse gas emissions from city-owned buildings, and City Hall itself is installing a solar installation and fuel generator. The city has also issued requests for proposals for another 15 megawatts of solar, including 66 schools, Bellevue Hospital, Hostess Community College, the Bronx Hall of Justice and Queens Museum, and the Abe Stark Ice Rink. 
Uh, already, private buildings have doubled their solar installation since the end of 2013, going from uh, 25 megawatts on solar to 54 megawatts currently cost 3,500 installations. The administration also announced a new program to measure and control energy used in large buildings, uh, the New York City Energy and Water Performance Map, a tool created in partnership with NYU's Center for Urban Science and Progress that lets building owners and managers analyze water and energy consumption. Venture B tells us that New York uh, Attorney General Eric Schneiderman recently invited a public to test the speed of their Internet and submit the results online as a part of an ongoing probe into whether large providers may be shortchanging customers with slower-than-advertised speed. The office launched an investigation into Verizon Communications, Cablevision, and Time Warner Cable in October because of this issue. Uh, Snyderman's office sent the three companies letters asking for a variety of information, including copies of any tests they have done on Internet speeds and copies of disclosures they have made for their customers. Snyderman said he wanted feedback from the public to assist with the investigation. He announced uh, his office has created a new online broadband test on a site called internethealthtest.org that will kosher customers' throughput or the speed at which the customer actually accesses the Internet. Uh, after the test is completed, he said he wants customers to fill out a screenshot of the results, fill out the online form. The ongoing investigation is particularly focused on so-called interconnection arrangements or contractual deals that the Internet service providers strike with other networks for mutual exchange of data. Now the big story tells us Microsoft is opening a studio in New York to showcase its upcoming HoloLens headset for inserting holograms into real-world settings. At the studio, software developers will see a video and get hands-on demonstrations. One is a game in which you shoot hologram alien robots in front of you. Another shows the technology potential in presentations and sales, using a luxury watch as an example of how holograms can give potential customers more insights into features. Third demo highlights HoloLens's graphical and editing capabilities. The studio is located at Microsoft's flagship retail store on Fifth Avenue. It won't be open to the general public, rather software developers who want to preview the next generation technology will have to make an appointment. The idea is to get developers to start thinking of the technology's potential. Microsoft has a traveling exhibit in 11 cities, and the company says all slots were booked within 90 minutes. The new studio in New York was designed as a long-term home for the demos. The Atlantic tells us that when hackers possibly stole the personal health data of 10 million people from Excellus, a health insurance company, it was just the most recent incident in a string of recent cyber attacks that targeted health care companies. Uh, this year, cyber attacks on Prima and UCLA health systems released millions more customer data into the wild. Uh, when it comes to losing health data, the healthcare companies are only part of the picture. In fact, according to research published recently by Verizon's business division, 90% of industries from retail and finance to construction and mining have experienced a breach of personal health information. But often, companies outside the healthcare sector don't take steps to secure health data the same way they do other information. The Verizon research analyzed data spanning 25 countries in 20 years. The 1,900 breaches in the data set accounted for nearly 
400 million stolen health records, but the actual number of stolen records is likely much higher because some organizations did not report the extent of their breaches. No matter how they leak stolen health records, don't just affect the individuals whose health is compromised. These breaches can also ripple outwards to harm the entire healthcare system. Studies show that the people who don't feel confident that their information will be kept private are likely to share less with doctors, which can hinder life-saving diagnoses and treatments. So we'll have to see what that is. And uh, finally, PC World tells us that Microsoft developed delve deeper into providing software for Android with the launch of Microsoft Apps, new application that gives users of Google's operating system a one-stop shop to find apps like Word, Cortana, and Bing. Users downloaded the app to their devices and then browsed and downloaded any number of Microsoft apps. And that's it. There's no special source or exclusive content that users can only get through Microsoft apps. That's at least at this point. Just a simple, straightforward directory of all Android applications available from the company. What's somewhat remarkable about all of this is that it shows Microsoft's growing support of a commitment to Android as a platform. The company actually has enough apps available for Google's OS that it doesn't feel like a ghost town, which is far cry from where things were a few years ago. As you know, we reported on this uh, a couple of times. It's also possible that the app may be helpful to IT managers who want to direct their users to approve applications or to people who don't want to deal with Google Play. But that seems like a very, fairly limited use of case for creating such an application in the first place. So we'll have to see where that goes. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to get to our guest, talk to you about something that I think it, we did a show on this, I think, a long time ago, maybe uh, two years ago, um, to tell you about refurbished um, equipment. So we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get to our guest. So please stay tuned. This is Tom DiOria. We're live on IMI's Tech Talk. This is KFNX AM 1100. Please stay tuned, and we'll get to Dennis uh, right after the break. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DeRoy. It's the 20th of December, 2015. And as I uh, promised you uh, before the break, we're going to be talking to you today about computer refurbishing and recycling. Our guest is Dennis Courtney, and he is the longtime president of the Capital PC Users Group and was introduced to us by our longtime friend, Gabe Goldberg. And he's the director of CPCUG's Project Reboot Computer Recycling Program. He retired after more than... 25 years in the computer industry as a programmer, data center manager, and IT architect. Dennis, uh, thanks a lot for uh, taking the time to be with us. Uh, thanks for uh, having us. Okay, so um, we're going to talk about computer refurbishing and recycling. Where do you get your computers from? You go around with a car, with a station wagon, and looking for things on the side of the road, or how does this work? <laughs> Well, that's kind of how we started, but we don't. We kind of outgrew that after a short time. But uh, computers can come from a, a lot of sources to be refurbished. Um, one of them is uh, all your family and friends and whatnot as they're uh, 
upgrading their computers. A lot of that happens here at Christmas time. People get new computers and whatnot. They've got to do something with those old computers, and, and one of them is to send them to the landfill. The other one is, uh, particularly for the one, the hardware that has some usage left in it, uh, refurbishing it. So you can donate it, for example, to our group, and uh, you can get a tax deduction for it and know that it's going to go to somebody in your neighborhood, professionally refurbished, uh, for, for low cost. So you can donate them, uh, excuse me, get them from neighbors and friends. You can uh, go to your local landfill. We have uh, an arrangement with our people at our landfill to basically uh, save off some of the electronic equipment for us. And we pick through that and, and take what we can uh, refurbish. Uh, but the bulk of our stuff right now comes from local companies that, that want to donate to help in their own communities. Every five years or so, organizations tend to trade out all of their IT equipment. And, uh, and they got to do something with that old IT equipment, and it's still got some uh, quite a bit of life in it. So they give it to organizations like us, and, and we go pick them up. Uh, also, the, uh, the government can sometimes be a source. There are federal programs in every state uh, to, to give away computers or to sell them at, at very low cost. Your local government, some of the, the cities here in the Washington, D.C. area where we are, some of the local cities uh, give us their old uh, computer equipment because, again, they know it will be refurbished and come right back in to help people in their own neighborhoods. So there's lots of sources for getting computers. That's really not that big of a, uh, a problem once you kind of get your name out there that you're looking for old computers and what you're going to do with them. Well, I guess that's a, uh, a question we have for you. How do you get your name? How do people find out that services like yours uh, exist? Well, let me tell you a little bit about the niche that we serve here in the Washington, D.C. area. We are a Microsoft-registered refurbisher, okay? Microsoft has a program where they give out something they don't give out, they sell, something called a citizenship license, uh, a very deeply discounted uh, operating system uh, license or Microsoft Office license. But the restriction they have on, on that program is that we can only then resell them to people, to basically the poor and the disabled uh, and nonprofits. So that's kind of the market that we serve. We're a group of volunteers. We're not, our history is that we're not a real company as much as we are a group of volunteers that got together. It started with a couple of guys in the garage and it grew and grew back from 1997 up to now where we're doing about 1,500 computers a month. Uh, a month? Poor and the that's... disabled. Uh, I'm sorry, a year. <laughs> I was going to say no, that's we... pretty... Pretty ambitious for a bunch of volunteers. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm sorry. You're correct. It is uh, it, it is a year. And we're uh, about 15 or 20 volunteers to do this. Our marketing there, we don't market to people. We don't advertise and whatnot. What we've discovered is that there's no shortage of poor folks, and word of mouth gets around. Uh, we particularly work in, in some of the school systems around here. One of the qualifiers for the, for the Microsoft program, and therefore our program, is that the, a student be on the free or reduced lunch program. And in the county that we live in, 65% uh, of the students qualify for that. And in nearby Washington, D.C., the, the, the percentage is much higher. So there's lots and lots of customers out there, if you will. 
And when they get word gets around that, that they can get a deeply discounted computer, in our case, we, we sell computers for $25. Uh, word gets around pretty good, and, and we have a lineup uh, every day that we're open. There's a lineup at our door for people. So advertising, at least for us, and again, we've been around for quite a while, um, isn't something we have to do. Word of mouth uh, really sells us pretty well. So that's on the on the refurbished side. How do people know that they can come to you and and drop off their computer as opposed to throwing it away? Well, again, we uh, we're pretty well known in the area, um, and we don't. To be frank, we don't get a lot of computers from individuals anymore because uh, we're basically pretty stocked up by. Uh, companies, medium-sized companies that, that give us their computers. So individuals don't come by our organization that often. I mean, they can, but we, we make it, maybe get one or two a day uh, of that kind. But, uh, you know, if I'm going to get 100 computers from, you know, an organization, it's, it's simpler and easier for them and us. The other thing is when you're in the refurbishing business, it's much easier to refurbish a hundred computers that are the same type as opposed to a hundred different ones, which is what you'd get if an individual came and dropped off their computer. So when you start to scale up your refurbishing effort, you start to move away from the individuals donating and more to the companies donating. Does that make sense? Definitely makes sense. Now, do you have a storefront that people come to or... Yes, yes. In, in, in fact, we've got kind of an interesting situation. Because we're very well-known and we work a lot with the schools in our area, one of the uh, large property management firms in the area, uh, firm Avison Young, uh, worked with us to find us a, a space that was donated to us so I don't have to pay rent. Um, <laughs> That's pretty community. impressive. Well, and we have an all-volunteer staff, so we don't have payroll either. And that's how we can sell a $25 computer. Uh, a lot of the computers that get donated to us or, or that we pick up have pieces and parts missing. Uh, let me give you an example. It's very common now for people to pull the hard drive before they, you know, before they, uh, their computer leaves their custody. Um, it's typical that when a company donates it to us, they don't give us a keyboard or a monitor or a mouse because all they traded out was just the CPU. So we don't get the other pieces and parts. So we have to source those out, and oftentimes we buy them. We buy them used. We buy them on the secondary market uh, for fairly inexpensive. But putting all of those little costs together, along with the cost of the licenses and free from Microsoft, sort of adds up to that $25 uh, that we charge for a computer. Uh, we're not in a money-making business with this. Uh, you know, I mean, we do things like buy pizza for the volunteers and T-shirts and that kind of stuff, but this is not a huge money-making thing. This is a, a community effort to uh, to get people who can't afford it, otherwise could afford it, to get them a computer. This is uh, definitely an admirable thing, especially in uh, this season, uh, giving back to the community like that. We have to take a break. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of questions here we want to ask you about this uh, great activity you're doing, especially uh, I know you started this a while ago, 
and other other organizations doing this in other parts of the country, but we'll get to that. This is Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 20th of December, five days or less before Christmas. Uh, we're talking to Dennis Courtney, who is the uh, president of the Capital PC Users Group about computer refurbishing and recycle. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOrio. It's 20th of December 2015. And we're talking to Dennis Courtney about computer refurbishing and recycling. Dennis, I, I mentioned that you're the uh, longtime president of the Capital PC Users Group. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what that is? The Capital PC User Group is one of the founding members of the Association of Personal Computer User Groups. Uh, we've been around since 1982. Uh, at one time, had over 6,000 members in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, but computer user groups aren't as, um, how should I say, uh, tuned Volunteering to, uh, is not as popular, I think, is what you're trying to say. Well, yeah, it's not as popular to come out to a meeting. You can get everything you need on the Internet now. Back in the days... When the computer user group heyday, you had to go somewhere else. There was no place you could go uh, to get information about computers. You had to talk to other users. So we've changed our focus somewhat. Uh, we still do some high-end sort of get-togethers. We do SQL Saturdays uh, here in the um, uh, you know Microsoft SQL. We take over the uh, one of the local universities or something, and we'll have a 25, 30 seminars on the Microsoft SQL Server. Uh, we have groups that meet every month that um, put on seminars that are free and open to the public. We have a senior citizens group that meets on a Saturday morning, and seniors can come and talk with other seniors about uh, what to do, how their computer, how to Skype the grandkids, that kind of stuff. We have a uh, investors group that meets every month that talk about using their computer to do investing. Um, so those sort, those are the sorts of things that we do now, um, as opposed to the the actual training classes and things that that we do. Uh, we still partner with other organizations. We're we're working on a partnership now for training and refurbishing in Washington, D.C., with a with another local group here that does training, Bikeback, uh, a group that does training in the Washington, D.C. area. Use their strength and our strength, put them together so that we can get people a computer. And uh, through, through Capital PC User Group uh, slash Project Reboot, and they can learn how to use that computer through the group like Bikeback. So we're looking at uh, ways that uh, the Capital PC User Group, since our founding, has been you know, let's get this technology into the hands of people. Uh, our motto has always been users helping users. And, you know, one of the things we discovered long ago is you, you can't learn how to use a computer really that well if you don't have one. So part of what we do is, is getting them one. I mean, think about uh, today. How do you get a job today? How do kids do their schoolwork today? You know, do your resume. How do you, how do you communicate if you don't have email? I mean, you know, it's a, a different world than it was 30 years ago. You've got to have a computer today. And what do you do if you can't afford one? 
You're right. Now, you mentioned that there is a national organization of uh, of uh, computer user groups. Uh, so yeah, it's, the it's, called, uh, its acronym is APCUG, uh, like ours is CPCUG. Um, that, uh, you can go to their website, apcug.org. In fact, uh, you mentioned Gabe Goldberg, at, uh, our mutual friend at the beginning of the show. Uh, he's our regional representative for APCUG. So <laughs> that's a good place, by the way, to find computer user groups in, in other areas. Go to the APCUG website. It's sort of the national registry, if you will, of, of a lot of computer user groups. Now, Much like... Do some of these other groups do what you do in terms of uh, refurbishing computers? Other groups don't necessarily do what we do. Um, I mean, they do do the, the meeting things and whatnot, but the refurbishing thing, I think we're somewhat unique in terms of a, uh, a computer user group doing that. Uh, if you want to find out who the Microsoft registered refurbishers in an area are, uh, you can go to the Microsoft site, uh, microsoft.com slash refurbished PCs, rrp.aspx, <laughs> uh, uh, or you can just look up Microsoft Registered Refurbisher uh, in a search engine. Uh, and that you can then search and find out where they are in your area. Now, how many, how many volunteers do you have uh, in our case? Let me, let me finish up on this description of, of the refurbisher program because oh, okay, kind of sure. important. Is that not all refurbishers do a $25 computer like we do? Okay, we have a different mission than other refurbishers. You know, our mission is to help the poor and to get computers into their hands. And we're volunteers and we're willing to do that. Most refurbishers are in this as a for-profit situation, unlike us. Okay? Okay. So if you find one in your area, he may not be expecting a $25 computer. You might be disappointed. If our listeners wanted to do something similar to what you're doing, um, should they reach out to this national group and try and start a local program, or can they just well, do they it could on- if they were looking to start a user group. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because again, every region has a regional representative, and if you want to start a user group uh, to talk about uh, again computer issues, whatnot, and get help from other user groups, find out what they're doing, etc. Yeah, APCUG is a wonderful resource for that. Not for computer refurbishing. That's not what they do. Right. So how many people do you have volunteering? Uh, at Project Reboot, I've got about two dozen people that volunteer for that program. Um, I'm one of the volunteers, clearly, but, but we have uh, some people that are there every day, and we have some people that drop by, you know, once a week sort of a thing. So um, we have different volunteers. We have volunteers that are highly technical and highly skilled. Uh, we have volunteers that are not technical at all uh, that help out. And we uh, we find a place for each of them to kind of fit in in the, in the production setup of, of computers, and, uh, and away we go. That's pretty good. So I guess you have like a shop steward that coordinates what needs to be done with a computer. Now do you do everything in terms of refurbishing and, you know, you you make it basically as new as you can and you load software on it or just pieces of it? How to, what exactly do you do to refurbish? Okay, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Well, uh, what we do is uh, let me kind of outline the process to you. When a, 
a piece of equipment comes in, it has to be evaluated. And it can it can be evaluated as one of three things. Uh, readily refurbishable, meaning it's got most of its pieces and parts. It looks like it lights up. <laughs> okay. It, it meets our minimum specification. Then it could be something that is not refurbishable at all. For example, somebody brings in a computer that's 15 years old, you know, with a with a five and a quarter floppy disk bay in it. Okay, that's not refurbishable. That's just junk. And we take that and we we actually um, provide that to a, a responsible recycler, what's called an R2 recycler, to break it down as 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 trash essentially. So part of it goes to trash, part of it goes directly to recycle, and then there's sort of a middle group of things that, well, maybe we can't recycle it, but there's some good parts on it that we could take and, and maybe recycle or reuse later. Uh, so one of those determinations is made, one, two, three. It's, it's either good, uh, it's bad, or it's something we can take some parts off of. Once it goes past that, then what we do is we bring it up to at least to our minimum spec, Let's say it passed and said it looked like a pretty good thing, but it didn't have a hard drive in it. Okay, well, we have hard drives, and we put one of our hard drives in it. Then we uh, clean them up. We take any stickers off them, scrub them down, you know, make them look as, as new as possible. I mean, they're, they're not new computers, but as new as possible. And um, make sure that it's got a good installation. of. of we're doing Windows 7 Professional right now. Um, and bring it up to a certain spec and double-check it and make it available to people. You said that when you have to, obviously, you're buying keyboards and mice because you're not getting those from, from companies or, or schools. I get messages. some of those from companies, but I, I don't get a lot. And I get a lot of things that we can't use, for example, in keyboards and mice. We don't use PS2 connectors anymore. We use all USB connectors. So if I get 100 PS2 keyboards, I can't do anything with those. So that's, that's not, doesn't meet our minimum spec. Um, small hard drives, or example, another hard drive, uh, there's an IDE connector on a hard drive versus a SATA connector on a hard drive. We use all SATA drives now. I can't use IDE anymore. But those things still get donated to us, and then that's the things that, that we either sell for scrap or have recycled. Okay, we're going to take a break now. Uh, as I said uh, before, we've got, still got a bunch of questions we, we want to ask you about this, this great activity you're doing. I'm Tom DeRoy. This is IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. We're talking to Dennis Courtney about uh, Capital PC User Group and their Project Reboot. Uh, computer refurbishing and recycling. Uh, we can get a $25 computer if you're deserving and need one. Uh, please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's Sunday, December 20th, 2015. It's the Sunday before Christmas. And uh, we're talking to Dennis Courtney about computer refurbishing and recycling. And uh, before I get in trouble with my producer, if our listeners uh, want to follow up with you, Dennis, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, probably by uh, going to our website, uh, projectreboot.com. 
org. Project Reboot being all one word. Uh, we have our email there. Uh, follow up on email because, like I said, we're all volunteers. So we're in, we're out, we're, we're not always there, but we always answer email. So if uh, your listeners want to get in, in touch with us, uh, they can go on our website and get our email there and, and email us directly. Okay. Uh, we talked about uh, how you do the hardware. Um, are you just putting the operating system on, and is that something that Microsoft gives you as part of the program you're in, so there's no cost to you for that? Well, no, there is a cost. Microsoft sells it to us. Uh, it's a significantly discounted product, but uh, it, they don't they don't give it away for free. Uh, and we there are two Microsoft products that we we install. One is um, the operating system, of course, and the other is a Microsoft Office that they also make available at a deeply discounted price. Um, and we use, you know, the typical methodologies that that most organizations use for uh, serious uh, installs. Uh, Microsoft's product, a System Center uh, Configuration Manager, SCCM, uh, it allows uh, several computers at a time to be uh, Provisioned right from uh, bare metal up to um, uh, up to a full installation. Kind of the process is I, I mentioned to you. We've got a, a ref- once we once we make a determination that something's going to be refurbished, uh, we have a group that that takes a look at the hardware and they get it to what we call uh, bare metal boot, meaning it boots to the BIOS and it's ready to have an operating system to it. So the first step in the process is that we uh, we make a determination if it's going to be refurbished. If it's going to be refurbished, it goes to the group, the, the hardware guys that make it boot to the BIOS. Okay. Then from there, it moves over to the area where we connect it to SCCM, and uh, we boot the machine up. It installs not only the uh, the operating system, but a handful of, uh, of open source products and antivirus, etc. So that you know, a, a PDF reader, a zip uh, program, uh, just things to make you know it functional for a, a, a normal person. And um, then we make sure that uh, then it goes to quality control. They take a look at it, and finally it goes over on the shelf. And, uh, and uh, our front desk people, who are not technical, uh, more like a retail operation, do sell it like that. So we kind of have it go down a little assembly line, if you will. And that that goes for uh, laptops, desktops. Uh, We do printers a little differently in that we don't repair printers. The printers that are donated to us will clean up and make sure they work well and and put ink in them. Um, But um, we don't do uh, repairs on printers. Now, this activity sounds like it costs you more than twenty. the money you make from $25 on a computer. How do you fund this? Well, actually, uh, in terms of what we charge for a, for a desktop, we charge $25 for a desktop. Uh, I don't make any money on that. I don't make any money on a lot of the other things we sell. Oddly enough, the only thing we make money on are, uh, are uh, flat panel monitors. Because <laughs> there's really? no repair to those, there's nothing I have to do with them. When people donate them, they typically work, and I can just turn around and sell them without putting anything into them. But yeah, we sell them uh, uh, for a, a very meager cost. Again, all we're buying is pizza and T-shirts for the volunteers. We're not trying to make this a, 
a profit-making organization. Now, that being said, we clearly do have to still make money because we do have costs. I have to pay for my heat and my lights. I don't pay rent, but I pay, you know, almost $1,000 in heat and lights. Pizza costs a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Things like that. Parts, we buy a lot of parts. Um, So that's kind of where our money goes. We have a little bit of money in the bank, but... Uh, again, that's not the purpose. The purpose here is to get computers in people's hands, and that's what all of our volunteers to a person would tell you. Now, where do you get the volunteers from? Are they all Capital PC user group members? Uh, oddly enough, only two or three of them are. Um, we um, Basically, we have three groups of, of individuals that come in there. We have a, a group of uh, long-term volunteers, and uh, those are mostly retirees, uh, people like myself. Uh, I have one, the, the guy in charge of printers, retiree, the guy in charge of laptops, retiree, the lady in charge of the front desk, retiree, um, the guy who does our repairs, which is another thing we do. We do follow-up repairs for people if they bought a right. computer for us. Yeah, we do it for $10, too. <laughs> If it came from us, we'll we want to move to Washington. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, but you have to buy the computer from us to get it fixed by us. We had uh, kind of a running joke from us. If people knew that we did repairs for $10, we'd have a lineup around the block. Without a doubt. <laughs> but, again, we, we limit it to only computers that, that came from us, and, and we fix them. But, again, these people can barely afford a $25 computer. When you see... What we see, we'll see a 76-year-old woman who's in a wheelchair, came from her dialysis appointment, okay, and, and is through two feet of snow in December or January uh, to buy a $25 computer because that's all she could afford because she's stuck in her apartment and can't talk to people, can't communicate. Uh, you know, that's why we do what we do. And that's amazingly an, an admirable uh, task that you've taken was, on. We were just talking about the volunteers that we have, though, and, and what I do is I put a, a, a long-term volunteer in charge of each area. Then under that, we have another third of our volunteers are kind of guys that are out of school but maybe not employed right now, okay? And they don't want to sit home and do nothing. They want to gain a little skill by working with computers. They want to help their community and whatnot. Um, so we've got about a third of our employees, uh, employees and volunteers, are uh, are sort of fit into that mold. You know, young guys that 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 want to help, that have a lot of energy as well. And then we have another third that sort of are people that are ordered there for court ordered community service. <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, after school kids that help out, uh, you know, the sort of, and, and what we find is there's a lot of turnover in that group. There's some turnover in the middle group with the guys getting jobs, but generally speaking, our management in each of the areas, the sort of the, the team lead in each of those areas doesn't turn over that much. And, and, and that's worked out pretty well for us. Kenneth, I wish we had more time. Uh, this is an admirable thing you're uh, doing here, uh, especially appropriate in this uh, time, which would be focused on giving back. Um, I wish you a, a very happy holiday and 
All the best in uh, 2016 to you and your members and your volunteers. All right. Same to you and your listeners. Thanks for thanks for calling us. Next week, we're going to be live from our New York offices. I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMI's president, Dave Brandon, Dan Diori, and Jose Batista to do our Week in Review. Taylor Redden is our producer. Tess Henshaw is our associate producer. And Matt Cagney, Campagni is our executive producer. And from the production department, uh, who, without whose help you wouldn't hear a word we said, Robert Bombeck. Thanks again for listening, and please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 5 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM 1100. That'll be our last show of the year. And remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Have a great week. Have a very Merry Christmas. And thanks again for listening.